Welcome to the Frontline Industry Podcast. Every week, we talk with top senior executives to get their advice on positively impacting frontline employees, companies, and customers. On today's episode, A Nutty Legacy, I talk to Andy Shirk, president and third-generation leader of Beer Nuts Brand Snacks, manufacturer of the iconic Peanut of Legends, with a history going all the way back to 1937. Andy ruminates over his family legacy, the challenges of innovation in a sea of snacks, the pressures and challenges as president, and I share how Andy's leadership led to one of the most inspiring stories in my career. Don't go anywhere. The Frontline Industry Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Frontline Industry Podcast. My name is Joel. I'm your host, and I'm joined by the president and third-generation leader of an iconic brand with some incredible products. His name is Andy Shirk, and he is the president of Beer Nuts out of Bloomington, Illinois. It's a family-owned business. It's been around for 69 years, and it is not showing any signs of going away anytime soon. I've truly enjoyed working with Andy uh, in the past. He's forward-thinking. He's young. He's innovative. He's constantly pushing himself and the organization to be better. And it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to the podcast, Andy. Thanks for having me, Joel. It's good to be here. Oh, it's good to see you again. Uh, we were remarking before we got on here and, and started recording that it's been been a couple of years and a lot of things have changed in, in the world between two years ago when we saw each other and today. But uh, you look the same. You never age. You must tell me your, your skincare secrets. But in a nutshell, if you will, Andy, share with us beer nuts. Who are you? What do you guys do? What makes you unique in a sea of snack foods out there? Well, we are a uniquely sweet and salty snack company as we describe ourselves going back to our, our beginnings. But we're kind of a fun brand uh, that produces uh, nut-based products that we sell all over the country. Uh, most retailers, you know, based here in Bloomington, Illinois, small town and Central Illinois, home to State Farm Insurance and Beer Nuts. But uh, yeah, we're we're a family business and and we're um, happily, you know, just feeding the fun across the country. It's amazing. You guys are prolific. You're everywhere. If I didn't know you, didn't hadn't been in your facility, I would assume you're a much larger company. You have been in Bloomington essentially since day one. Is that correct? That's correct, actually. So we say we're 69 years old. Um, we've our product, we have owned our product since 1937. So we're much older than that as a product. Wow. As beer nuts, uh, we're 69 years old. But um, but yeah, we have we're in a unique situation where we have a a, a big brand for a small company, uh, and we we try to take advantage of that. Usually, it, it, it can work in our favor quite a bit, but it, every once in a while, it sort of backfires a little bit. But it's, it's good to have that uh, you know that that opportunity, I guess, to be the big dog mentality from externally knowing who you really are internally. But yeah, we, we're, we're a smaller company and, and we sort of like that. And it allows us to make sure we're putting out quality products and uh, building a, a strong company uh, internally. Well, you guys really do have some good stuff. I mean, I remember being at your facility. Do you still have that store on site? The store is gone. The store was oh, no. a victim of the pandemic. Uh, we needed, when well, we're growing, so we, we needed the space. That store turned into a uh, more fulfillment space for our direct-to-consumer online orders. So um, the store is gone, but the you can find everything on beernuts.com still. So good. Well, you can get it so many places. I mean, you guys have really done a good job of of honing your e-commerce push. You're on Amazon. You're on Walmart. You can order it in on a variety of different fulfillment partners out there. So in fact, I think I, I was going to pick up some today and, and ship it in until I forgot to. But I've got my mug. I think you gave this to me. 
three, four years ago now, and you've got your mug <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, so we're representing one way or the other. And it's probably better that we're not crunching on nuts during the podcast anyway. Probably not. Yeah. You, you might want to clarify again, what's in that, that mug though. Oh yeah. It's just, uh, it's just some water. And I, I, you know, I'm the worst. I never drink water. Like I have to put some flavoring in there to make myself think I'm, I'm treating myself to something. So it's a little bit of a, uh, I think it's a strawberry watermelon flavored. I squirted it in there. So nope, not beer, not at, not at 3 PM or whatever it is now. Uh, but, uh, maybe when I get off, off the air with you speaking of what's the best, the best beer to pair with beer nuts. Have you figured that out yet? Do you pair that with anything yourself? Uh, you know what? I, I don't think there's a best. I think that's, I think okay. there isn't a best yet. And I think that the challenge is continuing to explore what could be the best. Uh, you know, there's, I think when we, we think back to when we became beer nuts, there probably weren't a lot of options uh, beer wise like there are today. So I think, you know, the, the, the best pairing is yet to come or is, is, is one of the tens of thousands of beers out there now that we just haven't narrowed down yet. So well, what's um, yours? Well, I, you know what, there's a, uh, there's a brewery here in town that's made a beer with our pecans. And I would say that would be a the best pairing. I can't disclose who it is or, or, or anything else, but it was, uh, cause it was an unbranded product, but, um, uh, I would, I would say that was probably the best match. So. That makes total sense. I mean, your, your brand and your products are, are really iconic, but you're also kind of celebrity oriented. I mean, you guys are well-known in a variety of places. You guys are highlighted on Simpsons. And I think uh, there's some sports athletes who are pretty big fans. Like, do you have any celebrity relationships or famous people that have uh, endorsed you guys or have uh, come to your plant or you have pictures? Tonight? Oh, you do have pictures. I've got, I've got Norm uh, right Norm. here. <laughs> <laughs> Who, who, for those who couldn't see the picture, who, who is who is it that you just showed? It's it's Norm from Cheers. So we don't have we don't keep a close contact with anybody, but when people promote our brand, wear a hat, we'll we'll send them some product just to see. Sarah Silverman's been wearing one of our hats for ten plus years, so you know that pops up I don't know once a month. There's Norm from Cheers who said you know women can't live them can't live with them. Pass me the beer nuts that sort of. <laughs> carried on for a long time. I don't think that's politically correct anymore, but that's what he did say. You know, I've, I've had encounters with uh, some professional football players ran into Jared Allen, an old, an old Viking, uh, old bear uh, one time at a, at a, at a bar in Colorado and ended up trading hats with him. So he wore his beer nuts hat for about a year after that. There's a bunch We're we're out there, but we're not, we're not actively pushing it just yet. So, uh, but it's people, people love the brand and, uh, typically they love the product as well. And, and so we, we sort of push that, but I will, I will, you didn't mention the, uh, the, the birth in bars. And so we, we started in bars, but as bars have evolved, when the kitchen came into the bar and they started serving food, we, we disappeared a little bit. So while we're pushing back into bars, um, it's, you know, we were, we were maybe one of the early staples, uh, in bars. So, yeah, I mean, you guys are, you have such a history. I mean, how do you stay true to what keeps people coming back with those legacy products? But how do you also balance that with innovation and the need to attract perhaps the next generation, the Gen Zs who haven't gotten you at a bar before, or maybe too young to go to a bar, but they're also people who you want to start reaching and, and gain their attention before uh, they start, you know, eating another snack. It's a, uh, it's a very good question. And so looking, looking back, it's, uh, we really, we haven't changed our process from day one, uh, going back to 1937, we make the product 
the exact same way we did then. Uh, we haven't changed ingredients. We haven't changed anything. Uh, it's so that's that's how we we've maintained what we've had. Um, we, we've added a few products in the 70s. We added we went from our just peanuts to cashews and almonds. And uh, but as we got into the 2000s and the, you know, the mix trail trail mixes and things like that started. That's when we started. We added our bar mix. We created the bar mix. We should have trademarked it, but we didn't. But uh, and then we added different variations of that and different mixes as well. But so we're, we're continuously looking at, all right, what are flavor trends and how can we in a, innovate our product line without sort of you know, bastardizing the past in a sense uh, or our customers who like our original products. And so it's our approach has the last year or two has been add three, subtract one. So let's, let's throw out three new items. Let's take out one that's not not really cutting the mustard anymore. So when you look at now as third generation in your business and the fourth generation is a little too young to be taking anything over anytime soon, but it, that's a legacy. Yeah. What has been your biggest challenge as the president of this organization coming in with a background in, in real estate? And, and, and of course, I think the crash of 2008 got in the way of that. And then taking several positions at Beer Nuts before working your way to where you are now. What do you see as that, that biggest challenge for you, maybe historically or even today? You know, it's, it's innovation, I think. It's, it's continuing to uh, challenge our positions of what we think is right. Um, you know, it's in, and I sort of alluded to it a little bit in the uh, generational transition. It's um, how do we continue to stay current? How do we continue to get better as well? Um, you know, we, there's a time where we sort of sat on our hands for decades and, and didn't do much. And so coming in, I, I say, you know, we got to we got to keep evolving and keep moving forward. And we had to take some big steps and we still have some big steps to take. Um, but just uh, that's that's been the challenge is, is getting things up to up to current. And then and then being the small, nimble company, but with the big name, we have really have the opportunity to um, make some large jumps quickly and be very agile. Um, and so that's, so getting, getting sort of breaking off the rust of, of the past in order to do that has been the biggest challenge. You feel a certain, a certain sort of pressure as president, but also family that is unique. Yeah. Um, I take it beyond that. It's, it's, there's community pressure. Um, I grew up in this town and I left thankfully for about 13 years before coming back, but there's, there's pressure everywhere to not only you know, maintain the the business, but perpetuate it in a certain way. And I've sort of, it took me a while to grow out of that and just say, you know, and even from the family standpoint, you know, don't screw it up mentality. And so I've kind of gotten through that as well. And it's just, okay, how do we, you know, the pressure now is me. I, I have, I have big aspirations for the company. The company now has big aspirations as well. We're all sort of on the same page and, and so the pressure is, can we, can we get it and, and can we do it and can we do it, can we do it quick enough and can we do it, you know, within, within the parameters that we have or within the boundaries that we have. Um, but it's, you know, it's, that's every day and that's, but that's, that's the pressure of the role too. We've set some, some big goals, some big targets, you know, let's go get them. Um, and it's not going to be easy, but we're going to do it. So. Are you able to share publicly what any of those kind of big, hairy, audacious goals are for beer nuts? I probably shouldn't. Uh, I'd like to, but I'll, I'll keep it really simple. We'd like to 10x our business. So, um, you know, it's super aggressive. If we get halfway there, that's awesome. Uh, and, and that's in a shorter time period. 
than most would expect, but mm-hmm. in the space we work in, that happens quite a bit. So, What is remarkable to me is companies that, who do a good job of connecting company mission and purpose mm-hmm. to the consumer, but also, and just as importantly, or more importantly to the employee, do a tremendous job of, of growth, of, of staying current, of hitting their objectives. I think of Ben and Jerry's. Mm-hmm. You know, regardless of how anyone feels about them and their political stances on things, you know who they are. Mm-hmm. and know what they're about. And anyone who feels similarly to them is happy to support the mission and purpose of Ben and Jerry's. And anyone who feels differently they just know that's not our brand. That's that's yeah. not who we're going to go with, right? We are who we are and take it or leave it. We're going to remain true to that. How would you describe the Beer Nuts purpose in a nutshell? That's I like the in a nutshell reference, but um, I don't have it figured out yet, I think is 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 the best way to put it. Uh, you know, we, we say, you know, our mission is to feed the fun. Uh, we want to associate or, or be where people are gathering, having a good time. And we just want to be a little bit of fuel to that fire of, of a good experience, but connecting that all the way through to what's our, our social mission. I don't have that figured out yet. We don't have that figured out yet. We it's, it's on the front of our mind, but we're not quite sure where we want to go with that. Um, or what's appropriate for our brand and our customer, but um, it's, it's one of those nagging things or wake up at night uh, perspectives where I'm like, we just got to figure it out. How do we, what is it? And, um, but we're not there yet. So it's going to keep waking me up. And I think from a thinking about our future customer, we have to have that figured out. Um, our current customers, um, I'm thankful that it's, you know, they're, they're okay with where we are, but, um, just being a good Midwestern family business isn't enough. So the the world has changed so much when it comes to loyalty, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think of my dad's generation and staying at a business for 30, 40 years and retiring there. You just don't do that anymore. And a lot of the similarities when it comes down to the market, when it comes to people buying products, is kind of the same way, you know, just Mm -hmm. because you existed before doesn't mean you will continue to exist in the future unless you do stay current, unless you do stay uh, relevant, if you will, with, with your target market. When you look at 10xing your growth, that's a that is a big, hairy, audacious goal. Yep. But that's a goal that, if you aren't careful with it, could remain a family or an executive goal mm-hmm. without really working its way down to the manufacturing floor, right? And being a goal that anyone cares about at right. that level, of the organization. How have you tackled connecting hearts and minds on the front lines with the goal the company has, or, or are you in process of figuring that out right now? We do it. We've been doing it for a couple of years. Um, it, you know, I don't know if it's enough, but at the beginning is quarterly. We go through, here's where we are. Here's where we're going. We review. This is, this is, this is the goal. This is the, the 10X goal. And then we sort of work backwards from there. Um, and then it's, and we tie in, you know, it's the, it's the EOS process. We tie in core values and, and, and this is this is our plan, and this is how we do it, and this is how we're you know, bringing people in. And it's at the beginning. It's even it's in onboarding um, for any any role in the in the company. So and it comes up quite a bit in interviews too. So it's uh, it's helped us bring in the right people. It's helped us get everybody on the same page from day one. The quarterly talk, the onboarding talk, and then just 
having regular conversations around it in our in our weekly meetings uh, from a management level to when I'm walking the floor, checking in on people and uh, connecting a, an issue to a bigger goal. It's a never ending uh, effort, but without having that goal, um, I think it'd be very difficult to get everybody on the same page. One of the greatest challenges that I've seen is how do you tie the what's in it for me to the, the front line of the organization? Yeah. Great. You grew 10X. Why do I care? Right. What's in it for me in, in this process? How have you tackled recognition and reward at the front lines of your organization as you look at tying the behaviors, the daily routines and the things that you know will lead to success to that 10x goal and then rewarding and recognizing people along the way so we we, we paint the picture uh, of what you know a couple steps out looks like and uh in that in in the painting the picture it's you know here's it, it really is here's what's in it for you is the approach it, it, you know i can sit there and say this is what i think and i want but it's it, it comes the other way around and say you know here's how we're going to grow you know, our compensation, here's how we're going to improve our lines. Here's how we're going to improve our, our systems. Um, you know, here's how we're going to improve our product line. Um, and so it's, it's really, we motivate by, by providing, maybe we don't even motivate, but we provide the connection from the day to day to the bigger goal. Um, and on a regular cadence, um, that happens. Uh, I don't know if I'm answering that well, but, um, no, it's, but it's yeah. a great answer. And, and I think no, knowing a bit about how you're doing that from the inside on my end, I mean, when you look at the criticality and importance of bringing in technology and disruptive things that are different from the way you used to do them 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, it's a hard thing to do in any frontline organization right. uh, where you have a bunch of people, hands-on product, hands-on process, and just in the job. Uh, to, to make them do anything different because they're used to the way they're doing it now. They're, they're kind of head down and plowing through the, the, the daily challenges. But it's also even more difficult from my perspective, and, and maybe you can shed some light on this as well from your experience, but it's even more difficult to do that in a family business, which can sometimes have a, this is the way we've always done it too, uh, approach. I know the inside scoop here, but, but talk to me a little more about how you have tackled the challenge of growing your company through technology introductions and things in an environment that is potentially challenging to do that in, not only from a legacy employee perspective, people who've been there for a long time and may not be inherently tech savvy, but also from a company that has some legacy processes built in to the way we've always done it. That's gotta be a real challenge for you guys. Yeah, you know, early on when I, once I came back, uh, saying that's the way we've always done it was just a, you know, the joke was that it's a fireable offense. It's not, it, it never was, but that was a bit of the, you know, the joke, like it, it just, everybody understood, like we're, we're going. Um, so things will change. And at this point, you know, a decade later, um, the change is expected and the speed of change is, is expected. So, so how did, how did that happen? Uh, I think given the constraints of you know, maybe the second generation, it was, you know, I, I took the took the steps where I could, where there where there was room, I pushed, and when it when when there wasn't any room anymore, I pushed somewhere else. Um, and so it was it wasn't a wasn't a very clear path, and it probably wasn't very efficient either. But um, we've been able to make a lot of progress anyway. 
so it's it was it was really taking the opportunities when when I could find them or when we could find them and um, and just and and getting in trouble on the way too. So um, there was plenty of time where you know the the response at a board meeting was, well, you didn't have permission to do that, and there was, I'm sorry, uh, I thought it was you know I just made a business decision in the best interest of the business and stopped looking at it as was running my dad's company. And so, um, and that's, that's worked out pretty well. I think it's just, you know, it, it took me a while to get to a point of where I had to say, okay, I'm just going to run, run a business the way a business should be run. But it, that turned into plenty of, uh, other challenges, but it's been the best for the organization. So. Well, undoubtedly. And I have to say one of my favorite stories of my career when it comes down to being inspired by a leadership mentality, and, and you don't even know this, I haven't shared this with you, uh, came out of the call you and I had, and I'll cut this out of the podcast if I'm not allowed to say it, but uh, when you were working on introducing digital technology to your plant, I remember you saying to me and to others, if I can't get this approved out of our budget, I'm going to buy it myself. Yep. And that that stuck with me, maybe more than you'd ever know, because it it was just so evident that when you believed something was right, you were going to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really inspiring. How, how do you get the cojones to do that? For, for those who are listening, <laughs> who are looking to, to maybe be leaders of tomorrow, who will feel pressure from boards and feel pressure from peers and bosses to, to fall in line or do things the way they've always done it. How do you get the, the how do you get the courage to push back like that? You know, I don't know if it's the courage or the frustration. Um, I think it's a fine line, but it, I don't know. Uh, when you believe in something, I guess it's this. I can see the potential of our company. We've made some steps to grow, but I see a much greater potential. And I see it as my job to get us there. And I know I'm going to have opposition, but I know thinking in the long term, you know, every step is every step that I think is needed, I got to be all in on or, or it's not the right decision. Um, and so I, and I, and I want to overanalyze that time. So, you know, I'm just, when it's, when it's clear, you do it. If it doesn't work out, you, you gotta, you kind of got to bet your career on it every time. And I'd rather go all in on something that I know is right and lose my job than, than not. Um, or, or, you know, cause that's going to take the wind out of my sails as, as well. So, um, either go in and do it and, 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 and add some fuel to, to my own fire or get shot down on the way, but be better off a little further down the road because I got out of an organization that wasn't on my track. So um, it's, you know, and that's, that's happened. It's probably happened two other times uh, since, since you mentioned it, uh, but it's all worked out well. So uh, maybe those are easy ones, I guess, but uh, <laughs> They're only easy in retrospect. I can't imagine yeah, right. you were uh, you were up at, up at night having no worries at all before making those decisions. No, yeah, no, it, it, it's um, yeah. I don't, you know, I never really thought about that. It, it just seemed like the right thing to do. Um, it's it was the right thing for the organization, and so let's you know, it's one of our core values: do the right thing. Um, and that was the right thing. It was really clear to me, and so we were going to do it, and everybody else was going to step up and make sure it was successful. And uh, if they knew my ass was on the line, they might even be more motivated to do it. So, and I might've gotten in some trouble after that too, but not for long. So. You're still here. Yeah. yeah. As, as a young executive who 
is taking things over and you have your 10x goal ahead of you and and all these things that you're trying to accomplish. What's your biggest fear? We talk about the the good things all the time, right? right. I mean, all the cool things we've accomplished or things we're trying to go and, and do. What what does keep you up and, and make you worried? Yeah, I ironically it's it's getting a little too far, getting too far ahead of the company. You know, I can see a couple steps ahead and but my worry is that I, you know, I don't wait at times when we need to wait. And I just want to go, 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 go. And there, um, and at times you need to wait and be patient. And so I, I want to, I don't want to get my vision ahead of the reality of the company. And thankfully we've got a, uh, some good people on our leadership team to sort of rein me in. Um, but, uh, you know, I, that's, that's my fear. Recognizing that we could, I could spend forever talking to you about <laughs> all this stuff. I also know you have a, a, a growing business to run that needs a 10 X its revenues. Um, so I'll let you go pretty quick. But my last question for you is something I've been asking a lot of people uh, every week, and I would love your perspective on it. What's something that you believe, Andy, that if everyone else did too, the world would be a better place. This is an easy one. And this, uh, you are capable of more than, you know, and I, and this is, and this is an easy one. I'm just thinking of, um, you know, the people in our, our, in our company, our teammates, I just, I feel like no, everybody sort of tops out some point and think, Oh, that's, 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 that's my role. That's what I'm good at. And I just love it when we were able to identify someone and say like, you're better than you think, and then help them get to that next step and, and sort of take the lid off their potential. I see that a lot in, in some of our manufacturing roles. And I think everybody just needs to understand that they're capable of a lot more than they realize. I am so grateful that we had some time to spend together today. It's so good to see you uh, again. Cool. It has been a couple of years, but uh, you're constantly a joy to talk with. And I hope everyone listening today has been inspired and, and take something away that they can do in their organizations to better their people, inspire purpose. It, it's been great. And I hope that everyone like myself will go out and, and get some some beer nuts uh, at Walmart or ship them in from Amazon or whatever in, in honor of our time together today and, and support the legacy that your, that your family has three generations in. This has been the Frontline Industry Podcast. We will see you next week. Hey, if you liked this episode, so did I. Join me in clicking the follow button and any notification bells on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever you're using so you don't miss future episodes and we can keep sourcing the best, highest quality guests. You can also visit FrontlineIndustryPodcast.com for more, including show notes and any other episodes you want to listen to there as well. All right, have a great day and I'll see you soon.